You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica, and today we're bringing you a bonus episode. Let this be our gift to you during this holiday season. Well, in all actuality, it's because we actually got the chance to interview a ton of great people at the recent I Need Cool conference, so we just decided to release an extra episode. So Nicole Assisi and Shelly Kurt met at a San Diego Starbucks five years ago, and we're all lucky that they did. The dynamic duo went on to create one of the nation's most thoughtfully designed K-12 networks serving diverse, low-income neighborhoods. From the first napkin, they outline the key elements that we appreciate about Thrive, a place that develops good humans that problem-solve with discernment, empathy, and agency, all the stuff they wanted for their own kids. They picked two underserved neighborhoods in East San Diego, City Heights and Linda Vista, and set to work combining personalized learning, project-based learning, and social-emotional learning. Tom got the chance to catch up with Nicole and Shelly at iNACL to learn more about how they are building community and doubling proficiency rates for children from low-income communities. Let's listen in. Nicole CC, Shelly Kurt, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. It's great to be here. It was so much fun to visit your new K-8 campus uh, last week. Yeah. Wow, that was awesome. It was so wonderful to have you and obviously great to now have a fourth campus in a brand new building. Right. Nicole, where'd you go to, where'd you go to high school? I went to high school actually in San Diego. I was born in Germany, immigrated when I was about 11, and then grew up in San Diego. Wow. So... Um, you you helped uh, start the you taught at High Tech High. I did. We may have met way back then. I think we did. And uh, you you were one of the co-founders of Da Vinci Schools. That's correct. We we visited uh, Da Vinci a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and had an amazing time there. Uh, and then we had a chance to visit you in San Diego. Shelley, where where'd you grow up? I grew up near Lake Tahoe in El Dorado County. So. Did you have a good high school experience? I did. I went to El Dorado High School, El Dorado Cougars. So, yeah, it was a it was a great high school experience. But part of my educational experience really spurred me to do the work that I do now. Did you when when did you decide on education? Was it was it in early in high school? It was early. It was in high school. I, I liked communications or education, and no matter what I did or where I went, I always found education and teaching and being part of a community of learners um, the thing that really made me happy. So here I am. When did you run into Nicole? <laughs> oh boy, about at five, little over five years five ago. Five years ago, yeah. uh, we met at a Starbucks. <laughs> As most great education. Uh, conversations like, do. They, this they, sounds like a bad B movie. Mute, meet cute. Yeah, we both were sort of avoiding meet, meeting with each other because once you're doing innovative education work, everybody yeah. says you should meet so and so. You should meet. But you know, enough people said, "Hey, Nicole, you should meet Shelley." That I finally was like, "All right." So I sent her a message and I said, "You know, I only have 30 minutes between meetings. Um, let's go grab a cup of coffee." And, and we what, really. What were you doing? I was, I was working in community organizing, organizing parents around innovative education. Wow. So, yeah, that was the heart of the work I was doing and feeling, um, frankly, frustrated because it was, it's such hard work and you're, I wasn't boots on the ground in a school. Yeah. So I kept thinking, you know, I've traveled this whole country looking at innovative schools. 
I want to be, I want to start one. I want to be part of a, a, an effort to do something really innovative. Mm-hmm. And that's when Nicole walked into my life. And oh. a 30 minute conversation ended in about four, four hours. hours. <laughs> so had you decided to start Thrive at that point? We had received a startup grant from the Charter School Growth Fund. Okay. Uh, but we were still in the development phases of really figuring out what are all the components of the program. And there we were on the back of like a Starbucks coffee cup sleeve wow. that Shelly and I mapped out the whole program mm-hmm. and the rest is history. We founded Thrive together and now have grown from 45 students to almost a thousand. So I, I, I think of you guys as having, um, I, I told several groups of people today that you just have a set of really world-class components. The intellectual underpinnings makes it obvious that you've, you've both spent a lot of time in great schools and thought really hard about the elements of good schools. So when I, I think about your model, I think about uh, great personalized learning combined with great project-based learning and real attention paid to social-emotional learning. Where Did all of those make the coffee cup? They all did. Um, wow. they're, uh, <laughs> I think we're both parents and we're both long-term educators. I started teaching in the San Diego Unified School District. And from the very beginning, uh, Shelly and I had a passion for figuring out, you know, if we stop thinking about teaching other people's kids and we start this work by thinking about teaching our own kids, what is it that we want for students? And through that work, we always land on the same thing. We want students who, you know, are good humans. We want students who can problem solve. We want students who can think critically. At Thrive, we talk about that as discernment, empathy, and agency students that know what to do with their learning. And those three things are what we want for our own kids, and it's quite frankly what we want for every kid um, because that is what transformative education is. Uh, You targeted some um, underserved neighborhoods in East San Diego. Yes, so Central and East San Diego. And tell us about the the families and neighborhoods that you serve because when people think of San Diego – uh, they don't think of your neighborhoods. They usually don't. They usually think of beaches and sunny weather. And we right. definitely have that. We've got the sunny weather. Uh, but for our board and for Shelly and I, it was important to figure out which communities have the least amount of educational choice currently, the least amount of access to educational options, um, and where is this work truly needed. And so we started looking at census data and focused on the six most distressed neighborhoods in San Diego and then settled on two of them, City Heights, where two of our campuses are, and Linda Vista. And the neat thing really is that when we started this work, we were we said, you know, let's start in City Heights. And about two and a half years into doing this work, there was a grassroots effort by a community-based organization called Bayside Community Center. And they have these amazing grassroots leaders, and they partner with the University of San Diego And through that work, community members were saying, we need great schools. We want to make sure that it's not just the private schools that have the nice new buildings and get the attention for kids, but where are our new schools? And Linda Vista, even though it was on our initial list of places where we wanted to possibly open a school, um, came up because that community reached out to us. They said, we want schools where kids are prepared for college, where they are connected to the community, and where they start thinking about their careers. And so now we have a K-12 through program in Linda Vista. But the neat thing is, 
given what Linda Vista is currently doing as a community, that neighborhood now has really a preschool through PhD program. And that's all thanks to the different legislators that got involved, the university that got involved, the community center, and the grassroots leaders. So it's really, really exciting. The, the, well, let's talk about the new building that you opened up in Linda Vista. That's a K-8 campus, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And it's it's actually co-located with Bayside, Bayside, Bayside Center. Right? Mm -hmm. you, so th it's both, um, there's a community center across the street and there's community space in your building, right? Yeah, part of our building is dedicated to that community center. It has its own exit and entrance, um, but it is part of our school and we work together um, to make that work. And wow, what an opportunity for uh, neighborhood volunteers and the exciting things that Bayside is already doing to be part of our school. Everything from their local garden to reading volunteers. It's, it's been a really exciting partnership and one we're really proud of. The, the new space seems to um, really complement the program, you know, your, your educational program really, really well. So t talk a little bit about that, how it's, how it's better than the dentist office. That, <laughs> that was very cool, but um, an obvious retrofit. So how, yeah. how does the space and the, and the new furniture that I saw in there, how does that support your program? So... In the new Linda Vista site, we had a chance, unlike the former dental office that our other campus is located in, with this new space, we got to do a ground-up construction. And we really decided that we would take it slow early on to really figure out what do we want to do. And we visited schools all over. And, you know, one of our donors uh, lives in the Court Madera School District. And she said, my school just got this huge bond for... Uh, multiple hundreds of millions of dollars. Come check out what they did. And we did. And uh, Court Madera, if you haven't seen the work that they're doing, uh, principal there, Michelle, is doing some really amazing stuff and designed a school on a very different budget than ours. But we kept thinking, how do we take places like this affluent school district in Northern California, how do we take places like the private school, Francis Parker, down the street and bring this really beautiful design into our community. And we were really fortunate because one of our parents at Thrive is an architect. Mm -hmm. And Maxine Ward from Studio E became our lead architect on this piece. And she brought families together. She brought students together, teachers together. We had focus groups in the Linda Vista community to really think about what are the things that are most important to us? What are the things that irk us the most about how education is stuck? And how do we design a space that meets all the different needs? Um, and so some of the ideas that came up were, you know, creating transparency. Folks felt like there isn't enough transparency in education. So when you walk into the Linda Vista campus, you see a lot of light, a lot of windows. We also said there isn't enough space for um, doing the kind of work that we feel is needed to prepare for the future. So you see in all of our spaces two classrooms that open onto each other to create one large space. There's a pullout room to serve some of our students with special needs or for students to do some small group collaborative work. It's really saying, like, how do we get students and adults to work with each other? And, you know, the community really pushed that work forward. I think it's even better and bigger and more beautiful than Shelly and I ever dreamt about because people say, is this what you envisioned? And both of us will say, it's so much more. Hey listeners, wanted to take a minute to share a campaign with you that we're excited to be supporting this winter called Share Your Learning. 
When students share their learning with an authentic audience, they're provided a true opportunity to share their story, reflect on their growth, and engage in real dialogue with others about their learning and their future. Teachers and school leaders can get involved and share how they're supporting public presentations of learning at their schools, or get tips on how to start by visiting shareyourlearning.org. You can sign up and help increase student engagement by making learning visible. You can also follow Share Your Learning on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll link them all in the show notes. It, it, uh, the space feels super flexible. Right? Mm-hmm. It can be really big. It can get really small. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go from very quickly from a, a morning meeting to small breakout. Lots of different seating options for kids. Yeah, we designed that with, uh, of course, with our kids in mind. Our teachers and our kids both had a lot of input in the beginning stages. We had lots of think tanks together where we were brainstorming what we needed. Um, Kids, by far, there the most important thing was flexible seating. They wanted to be able to sit in ways and in places um, that felt comfortable to them to learn. So while we were ordering furniture and designing our classrooms, we thought about that. We have high seating, we have low seating, we have bean bags, we have soft furniture, we have traditional table seating, um, and that all of that furniture can be moved and folded up so easily so that we can use that space flexibly. Our teachers wanted their most important thing is they wanted to not work in a silo. So for them, we put in, I call them the barn doors. Um, They open up, they split two classes. They open up in the center, and so it can be one big class where they work together. And now we have two teachers in those rooms. Um, Or you can shut those doors, and they can work in smaller groups. We have seen this used all different ways already, and we're just still in the beginning of the school year. Um, So those two things were amazing and uh, far and away better than I thought that they would be. It was amazing. So for the last 20 years, we've been really um, preoccupied with with math and reading scores. And Mm -hmm. and you guys are, you certainly pay attention to those, but Mm -hmm. you've also structured an educational program that really values Mm long-term outcomes, life uh, outcomes. So talk, talk a little bit about your approach to project-based learning and social-emotional learning uh, today and, and how you, what, what signs do you look towards to, um, that are early indicators of, of you know, long-term impact? So we actually um, thought really long and hard about like, how do you create the kind of long-term success that we want and where we landed is sometimes you need to start slow in order to go fast. Uh, So a huge focus when students first come into our community is on social-emotional learning, on some of the work around council practices that the Ojai Foundation does, and really getting kids in community to speak and listen from the heart. Because we know that so many of our students come into our community with a high level of trauma, and unless we make sure they feel known, seen, and valued, they're not ready to learn. Um, That being said, that's not their whole entire day, right? We don't just sit around and sort of hug it out all day. But from that point of greeting students and making them feel connected, we make sure that every student has a voice first thing in the morning because research shows us kids who speak once during a day are more likely to speak a second time. And the best way for you to learn is for you to participate, for you to contribute. So that's how the day starts and ends. And in the middle, we have a really intentional focus on personalized learning. Every student starting in kindergarten knows their reading level, knows what goals they're working towards. And then through small group rotations 
And through very targeted instruction, our teachers then work with students in smaller settings and also utilize technology for just-in-time learning. And the way we make all of that relevant and matter is through project-based learning. We really feel that any of these practices by themselves are insufficient. And you get the whole picture and the whole experience when kids are engaging in projects, when they are met at their learning level and pushed beyond through personalized learning, and when they feel really deeply connected to their community through social-emotional learning. You guys seem to um, be learning quickly. Um, you know, every time I come, I, I see new things. Um, you, you, you publish and share things. So how would you describe your organizational learning? Uh, I think what you're pointing to is that, you know, at Thrive, we're not afraid to say like, hey, we haven't quite figured this out, but by the same token, when we figure something out, we're really excited to celebrate it with our community. And so it creates this sort of reflectiveness and humility in all the adults at Thrive uh, that I think is really exciting. We had somebody come over uh, to our school the other day and he said, you know, this is really like the humans of Thrive. There are certain characteristics about people who yeah. work at Thrive right. that are unique and collaborative. And it's the fact that you ask somebody a question and they will tell you like, hey, here's what's working, here's what's not working, here's what we're trying to figure out. Take any of my resources, make them better, uh, build on them, come back and share because we want to figure this out. There's so much urgency around getting education right. In San Diego, 24% of students graduate with a degree, even a two-year degree, by the time they're 25, according to the County Office of Education. That's ridiculous because 65% of all the jobs in San Diego require a bachelor's. So right now, as a county, right, we're not doing enough. And that includes all the charters, all the private schools, all the district schools, all of us together aren't doing enough. And so we really approach this work with a ton of urgency, ton of humility, and this hunger for getting it right for the kids because they don't have five years, 10 years for us to figure it out. They need us to figure it out now. And so... So we do. Shelly, in addition to allowing me to visit frequently, what, what else um, are you doing to share your lessons uh, with the broader world? Well, we do love seeing you. So come as often as you want. Um, actually, we, we welcome all educators from lots of different places. Not only that, we go out into the world to talk about our learnings and honestly, not just our learnings, but the things we're still working on. Um, we are all experts. We are all, are all, are all learners at the same time. So we are, uh, we are looking to brainstorm and to have thought partners around this work. Um, we do a lot of writing and a lot of talking, which is a good thing, um, and a lot of sharing of our ideas and listening to others. So we've tried to do some of our own blogs. Uh, mm -hmm. We love being guest bloggers on EdWeek. We've shared uh, different stories with the Next Gen Learning Challenges group. Uh, love just putting out our own social media work of like pictures of what's happening in the classrooms. Our teachers yeah. do that same work. I was going to say, you know, our teachers, um, it's not just me and Nicole. We do like doing it, but our teachers are 
they're rock stars. They're out there doing this as well and um, inviting people into their classrooms and looking for partnerships across state lines, across international lines around doing this work together. I mean, there's a lot of amazing people, but um, talking to people from other places and, and class-to-class collaboration, that is really exciting. And it's about being the change we want to see. We mm-hmm. know how much learning we get when we visit other schools, when we talk to other educators. And so we always want to pay it forward. And for every single person who has helped us get to this point to open thrive we want to pay that back tenfold because truly the work that we're doing today comes as a direct result of the people we've learned from i mean we would not be in a place where kids are doubling their proficiency in a place where we're getting this huge growth in reading where our students with special needs are having these amazing outcomes if it hadn't been for all the people who have shared their work with us from you know brooklyn lab on the east coast to the great work that the silicon schools fund is doing and the research they have done to next gen learning challenges i mean there are so many people that are part of this story and part of this work that to the extent that we can repay it we invite anyone listening out there to come and visit us so that we can give back the insane amount of support that we've received um what have you learned about high school? You, you have a high school in its thir- third year? Yeah. What we've learned about high school is the fact that for some, any of our students that actually come to us after fifth grade uh, arrive to us at least big, three grade levels behind. Deficits, yeah. Huge. Um, so, uh, you know, a big learning is that we obviously have to start early Um, And we have to allow for enough time for students to get to proficiency and get ready for college. So we talk about students being college prepared and career inspired, and that gets real serious real fast in high school. So in our high school, we offer uh, early college classes starting in 11th grade. We have internships for students. Uh, We try to do a a 50-50 blend of meeting kids at their learning level and exposing them to grade level content. Um, and it's hard work. Our high school is still really small. Uh, we've got about two classes per grade level, so somewhere between 50 to 60 students per grade level. And we really are hungry to get this work right because it's so, so important um, right now in the high school space because that's where we notice that uh, in the education space we're losing so many learners. So um, still doing a lot of learning and a lot of visiting, but... Uh, high rigor, high expectations, and a lot of opportunities to be in the community. So do you have ambitions to grow a giant network? What? <laughs> it's a great question. You know, yeah. I think we're at that cusp where people are asking us, what's yeah. it going to be? Are you going right. to do consulting? Are you going to grow your network? And I think for us, it's I think we need two or three more years to really figure out right. Is this about training others to sort of train the trainer or is it about direct services to students? And we're going to spend the next two to three years to really figure that out. Can we, uh, you know, can we put it in a box and bottle it so people can take it wherever they need it? Or is it about uh, hands on with kids? And we're open to either. And right now, just really trying to figure out where where we can best serve and be of service and, uh, you know, do it with love and passion. I think that was on the back of the napkin at Starbucks. It was. I think five years ago on the back of that Starbucks napkin. Well, you guys have accomplished so much in five years. It's been um, been really fun to watch. What as we wrap up, I'm 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 curious what you're curious about. You know, as you what what questions um, of the profession are 
do you find most interesting, important, most vexing? What, what do you want to learn most about? You know, we ask ourselves a lot about this question of tight versus loose, right? right? We now have four campuses. And where do we make sure we're really tightly aligned? Where do we give people autonomy? How much autonomy is necessary to do the sort of joyful, magical learning that we love? Um, and how much do you need alignment between your campuses or between the whole educational sector? So it's, it's not an easy answer, but we're trying to figure out, like, where do you need that more targeted, specific, this is how things ought to be? And where do you allow crazy smart teachers and leaders to have all the flexibility they want yeah. in the world to serve the kids in front of them? And I think that's the challenge we're currently facing as an industry. And I'd love to, yeah. you know, keep seeing where that lands. And I don't know, Shelley, what, what's on your mind? Well, I have a, this perspective of boots on the ground in the school, and I feel like the work that we're doing at, at Thrive is the work that we are doing as a global society, certainly as a, a country. And I uh, constantly am thinking, how do I bring my community how do I bring my parents? How do we bring us all into the amazing work that we're doing at Thrive? We're telling stories. We are learning about each other in such heartfelt ways um, that people don't know their neighbors like we know our, our kiddos. Yeah. Um, I'd love to be able to figure out how to bring our parents and community into this work um, so that not only are we just changing Thrive, but we're changing our community of San Diego the state of California, and I mean, let's go on. We can change the world, really. The universe. Yeah. Infinity and beyond. Yeah, that's, huh. a, that's a great um, that's a great thought. It, you guys are having such a rich conversation about learning. You're thinking really hard about the world that kids are, are going to inherit, and you've been super thoughtful about structuring a program and learning about it, and it makes me wonder how, how could schools like Thrive – lead community conversations that could be super important for in our communities to understand mm -hmm. what's happening and how we can respond thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. So that's a, it's a great sentiment. Nicole and Shelley, thanks for being on the Getting Smart Podcast. Thanks for having us. It's always so fun. So great. Uh, Thank if you. you guys get a chance, go visit thriveps.org in San Diego. Wow, Nicole and Shelley's work is so thoughtful and inspiring. That's why we keep bringing groups to visit Thrive Public Schools in San Diego. A big thank you from the entire team to Nicole and Shelley for joining us at iNicole and hosting our frequent visits. We look forward to continuing to follow their journey. And for more on great schools, check out episode 88, Making the City the Text with High Tech High founder Larry Rosenstock as well as episode 95, Leadership for School Progress, with Poway Unified District Superintendent, as well as the principal from Design 39. We've got them both linked in the show notes. And make sure you check out gettingsmart.com for more great content and resources. That's all we have for you today. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica signing off.